Indeed, the promises of God. Good afternoon. How are we doing? Oh, yeah. Oh, come on, 1230. Yeah. That's good stuff. I can't promise rain. I'm going to promise heat. Seriously, hydrate because the heat is on. The heat is on. It really is. But the promises of God, look, the promises of God. 31,102. That's the amount of verses in this Bible. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, there are 31,102 verses. And when you count promises from God to mankind, it's over 5,000. So, so here's what's mind-blowing, that when you're reading the Bible, you hit a promise about every six verses. That's really cool. You hit a promise every six verses. They are the promises that have been clung to for centuries. Promises that still apply today to each and every one of us. They're the promises of God. You could even say there's an abundance of promises in the Bible, right? And that's the word I want to focus in on today. Abundance. Abundance. What do you think is abundant in life? How do you define abundance? What does an abundant life look like? You might even see that clip and, and look at my life and think, that, that's an abundant life. He's on TV. There's a beautiful wife, three beautiful daughters, Bill Taylor and, that, and that, that life. He works with beautiful people on television every day. That's an abundant life. That, that's how I wanted you to feel about it, that's for sure. Because I thought things was what led to abundance. And an abundance of things would lead to happiness that would last. But then I found out the reality of that real quick. That it's a lie. That you could chase that kind of abundance and only get the happiness but not get the joy. There's a big difference. Oh, I'm so happy. This is fun. I'm happy. Or is it joy, something that really permeates, that lasts, that has gravity to it, joy, right? Big difference between happiness and joy. I was chasing that kind of abundance. And as we're going to discover today, Jesus defines abundance in a whole different way. Jesus defines abundance differently. And he might just be asking you, to abandon this life for the abundant life. To abandon this thinking of what is happiness and pour into how he defines abundance. Let's go to the book of John. The book of John is fantastic in how it describes Jesus. In fact, what's really cool about it, Jesus does a lot of the describing himself in his own words, in the book of John. And I want you in chapter 9. Go to John chapter 9. See, because when we talk about who Jesus is, that becomes probably the most important question you answer in your life. In your life. Who is Jesus? Savior? Or is he just a teacher? Maybe he was just a prophet. Or is he Lord? Is he Savior? 
Is he who I'm willing to deny myself and pick up my cross every day and follow? Is that who this is? That's a very important question that each and every one of you has to answer. John chapter 9. So here's what happens. Jesus heals a man in John 9. There was a blind man, and now he can see. And the Pharisees are all over it. And the first reason why is because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. We know from last week, when Pastor John talked about the Sabbath, it is to be set apart. It is to be holy. It is to honor God that we rest. The Sabbath is to be kept holy, very important. So the Pharisees were outraged that he would heal on the Sabbath, so much as to they called Jesus a sinner and said, how can a sinner heal? He's not even honoring God is what they said. So they said, okay, he healed. Let's talk to this guy's parents. So they find the parents of this blind man, and they're like, hey, is this your son, and, and was he blind since birth? And they're like, yeah, that's our boy. And yes, since the day he was born, hasn't been able to see. So the Pharisees ask, well, then how is it now that he's able to see? What happened? How did this miracle occur? That's when they stepped back and they were like, um, yeah, well, mm, you know what? Why don't you just go ask him? Because, yeah, yeah, he's old enough. You, you should just ask him. Why don't, why don't you ask him? Let's go to chapter 9, verse 22. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. They'd be kicked out of the church if they said this Jesus from Nazareth was the Christ they're waiting for. So they go back to the blind man and they're like, okay, so tell us, what's the deal then? And he says, look, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, whatever. All I know is, and this is my translation, <laughs> I was once blind, but now I can see. That's what I know. I was once blind and now I can see, is what he told the Pharisees. So they were like, okay, you know what? You're obviously a disciple of this Jesus. We are disciples of Moses. You're out. So they kicked him out of the synagogue. But in comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. And instead of spending time with parents, he goes right to this man and he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And let's look at his answer. In John 9, verse 38, then the man said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. Lord, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. With that statement, this once blind man stepped into the abundant life. With that statement, this once blind man abandoned what he thought and stepped into an abundant life. Because what's the first thing he did? He called him what? Lord. Is he Savior? Is he Lord? Two different things here. I believed him to be my savior for a long time, but I held on to a lot before I called him Lord. That could be one of you. 
You're holding on just to a few things. Sure, you can have the house. Come on in, Lord. But you know what? We'll hang out in the kitchen and the living room and a few of these rooms, but that room up on the back right, that's, that's closed and locked. That's, that's my room. I'm going to still keep a couple things back. He's not fully Lord. I believe him to be Savior, but he's not fully Lord. That's the first thing this man did, and he stepped into a much more fruitful, abundant life. Let's go ahead to John 10. There's a beautiful scene at the beginning of John 10 where we have a sheep pen filled with sheep and we have the shepherd. John 10, let's pick it up in verse 2. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And I love verse 4. Look at verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you know the shepherd's voice? We are the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. He communicates to us when we're spending quality time with him, when we're reading our Bible, when we're writing, when we're praying. It's when you're setting that time aside and you're giving it to Jesus. Look, I, I get distracted, squirrel. No, I get distracted easy <laughs> all the time. So I'll actually write out what is, you know, happening or what I'm praying or what I'm reading. I'll write. Or I, if I'm reading the Bible, sometimes I'll read aloud because it really makes a difference in getting distracted. My mind will start wandering. It's Wednesday. I got that meeting or I got this. No, 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 no. Focus, focus, focus. So that's just a hot tip. Write. Or just read aloud, pray aloud, all those kind of things. Because that's, again, when you'll hear his voice. And, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, I did not hear it until I abandoned this life for the abundant life. I was believing the lie just like some of you might be. I was chasing that kind of abundance that's sold to us on social media and television every single day. Go to your feeds and you're seeing what people are doing. The cars are driving, the trips they're going on, the dinner parties they're going to, and they're having a great time. And I'm, wow, nice invite. And you're, you know what I mean? You're, you're comparing to what's happening. And then you're chasing what you're seeing because you think that's going to bring abundance. I, I, I saw a Sprite commercial the other day. A Sprite commercial, right? They're drinking Sprite. They're on the beach. They're having a blast. They're driving in the boat. They're on jet skis. It's Sprite. Yeah, woo! I'm, I'm sitting on the couch with my Sprite, and I'm like, I didn't put enough ice in it. I mean, what's the deal? I got a Sprite too, man. You know, it's like, again, and it's going to continue. It's not going anywhere. That sales pitch will continue. And I kept running after it. I kept trying to chase it down. And I kept coming up empty. I kept coming up lonely. Again, I'm coming to church. I believe Jesus is my Savior, but he's not Lord of my life yet. He's not Lord of my life. But again, we see what this blind man did and took that step. Well, I finally took that step. You know, believing in Jesus is one thing, Giving him lordship of your life is the second and most important. 
Because before I did that, I was a pretty selfish person. I was pretty arrogant. I was very critical of other people. That led to being very condescending to other people. I was selfish. Very, very selfish. And I just continued to be that way. And I mistreated a lot of people. I mistreated a lot of people. And sometimes they were the people I loved the most. If you're like me, you kind of know what I'm saying, where you start treating strangers and coworkers and other people better than you treat your own family. Where you just want this persona to be believed. And that, that's kind of what I got wrapped up into. I wanted you to believe the persona of Bill Taylor had this abundant life and everything was fantastic. And it just never lasted. I would, I would, again, run on empty and then I would come back chasing, chasing, chasing. It's like chasing the wind. That's how Solomon puts it in Ecclesiastes, his journal. Solomon, who had everything, could buy and sell Elon Musk. He had trillions in today's money and he was king. And he had wisdom. And he said, everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, were his words. And that pursuit of all those things is chasing the wind. Can you catch the wind? You keep chasing. You get tired. You run out. You're at empty really fast, really quick. And that's, I'm telling you guys, that's what happened to me. Because see, here, here's, here's how it went. I truly started feeling bad because again, I'm going to church, I'm saved, but I'm not giving them lordship. And so in that process of feeling bad and convicted about not giving them lordship, not answering the call to do things like I'm doing today, praise Jesus, I start doing good things to compensate. I start emceeing everything I can. I start making sure my time is everyone else's time. I can, I'm pouring into emceeing that new grand opening of this business. I'm emceeing that awards luncheon. I'm emceeing that gala. I'm going to that school on Thursday. Saturday night, I'll be there. I'm, I'm helping all these great nonprofits. And believe me, I love doing that. But I got so wrapped up in it. I was emceeing everything. I, I once emceed the opening of a peanut butter jar. Yeah. I was in, it's live in Jim and Connie's kitchen. Here we are. We're opening up the peanut butter jar, family size of Jif. It's creamy and the family's excited. Bill Taylor here. No, I'm kidding. But look, I got so wrapped up in it, I would do it to, you know what? Tilt the scale. That's what I was doing. I realize now that all I was trying to do is right the ship here. I'm feeling bad. Holy Spirit's convicting me. When are you going to answer the call? When are you going to call me Lord? When are you going to concern yourself with my will for your life and stop chasing this abundance? So start doing some good. Let's go. Okay. Ah, that feels better. Okay. There I am. Right? And then here we go again. It just never ends, guys. It never ceases because it's a lie. World abundance leading to joy is a lie. And then came this scripture. Guys, in John 10, here came my life scripture. 
This is when you read something in the Bible and it hits you right between the eyes. This is when you read something in the Bible, but instead it reads you and it hits your soul. John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life abundant. Yes. When I first read those words from the mouth of Jesus himself, I said, this is it. This was me. That's exactly what happened. The enemy came only to steal, kill, and destroy. I want to break this down and show you why it hit a little different. Jesus says he came only to steal, kill, and destroy. Only. His one objective, guys, his one objective is to steal, kill, and destroy. Little by little, big by big, steal, kill, and destroy. What's really cool is the word thief. In the original Greek, in which it was written, the word kleptes, K-L-E-P-T-E-S, kleptes. It's where we get the term and word kleptomaniac. That's how the thief is described, the enemy, the adversary, the devil. That's how Jesus puts it, that the thief came only to steal. It's his nature to rob you. It's his M.O. to take from you what you have. That great job at work, he wants division and work in. That wonderful relationship, your good friendship, he wants to get it stirred up. He wants to make you envious and jealous. He wants to divide. He wants to subtract. In the house of God, we're here to add. We're here to multiply. That's our side of the equation. But it's working right alongside this enemy in this fallen world who's trying to steal from you. It's that loving marriage and loving relationship. And you believe the lies of the enemy that say, yeah, maybe we have grown apart. Yeah, you're right. Maybe we fell out of love. How about we go to 1 Corinthians and how Paul describes love? That love is patient. That love is kind. That love does not keep a record of wrongs. That love endures all. And that God is love. That's a big difference. And those are the kind of voices you're listening to and the words you're reading and are resonating on your heart when you're living the abundant life and you're done chasing. Another word in the original Greek for destroy, apolumai. The same root word in Greek means unravel. So watch this. Sometimes it's not big, right? Sometimes it's not going to be Lead story on Ken's 5 News at 10. Instead, it's an unravel. It's a still small thread that the enemy takes a hold of and is slowly pulling. And you're slowly unraveling. You don't even know it. You don't even feel it. And you're going through the motions and everything's good. Everything's fine. Fine. How you doing? I'm fine. Right? You're fine. Yeah? All this time, this unraveling is taking place. The enemy's pulling that thread and that sweater, that garment is slowly unraveling. And then life hits you, something bad hits you, and you cave. You collapse. You can't handle it. 
because he's been unraveling slowly and methodically. And so you hit that rock bottom and you're like, where are you, God? What happened? How'd you leave me? Why'd you forsake me? That's what he really wants. To rob, steal, and kill your relationship with God. To make you doubt who God is in your life. Pure evil is right. But what does Jesus say? Listen, before that, 1 Peter. It's important to remember just how often this happens. Look at how Peter put it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to what? Devour. That's a strong word. Devour. That's what he wants to do. Devour your relationship with God. Where it doesn't even exist. Devour it. That, that's, that's how the enemy stole it from me. Quick story. I um, One night was sitting at dinner with my family. Wife, three daughters, and we're talking and stuff. And all of a sudden, my girls, without rehearsing or even looking at each other, recited my outgoing voicemail message on my phone. Verbatim, they said it together. You've reached 210-394. I can't take a call. Da, 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 da. The whole thing by heart, verbatim. And they were kind of laughing about it and the fact that they all knew it so well. As I quietly sat there and it hit me, I mean, it hit my heart hard. And I said, wow. In other words, every time my daughters were calling me, I was sending it to voicemail. How many conversations did I miss with my girls because I decided to just let it go to voicemail? How many times did they want to talk to me? My daughter wanted to talk to her father. And I just sent it to voicemail because I was too wrapped up in myself to take that call. I was too busy. And I was missing it, man. I was totally missing it. Totally missing life. That, that's why this hit me, because when this promise was read, and when I can see the second half of this verse, that Jesus is the one who comes to give life and life abundant, now I understand. Now I'm getting it. Now I'm saying, okay, I'm not going to chase this. I'm going to have time that matters. The beauty of this, too, let's go back into some Greek, where Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and life abundant. The word life has three different words in Greek. See, we say life. Oh, he's got the life. That's the life. We breathe and we have life in our bodies. The Greeks do three different words for the same word. First is bios. B-I-O-S. Bios. It's where we get the term biology, natural life, plants, trees, your body. Then shuke, P-S-Y-C-H-E. That's the emotional life, your mind. It's where we get the word psychology. The third one, and this is how Jesus uses it in this passage, 
Zoe. The Zoe life. Life abundant. It's eternal. It's perpetual. It's instantly, constantly renewed. Give us this day our daily bread. Right? It's a daily walk. Seeking first the kingdom of God every morning. And it's a constant renewal. It's an abundance in Jesus. It's the Zoe life. It's in fact the same Zoe word when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Zoe life. And look at what Jesus is offering here. By accepting him as Savior, we're living for eternity in heaven. Right? We're confessing with our tongue. We're believing in our heart that he is Savior and Lord. We are saved by grace. We have faith. We're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more guilt. No more betrayal. No more jealousy. No more pride. No more cancer. No more heart attacks. No more diabetes. No more Alzheimer's. No more dementia. No more anxiety. No more depression. No more anxiety, guys. How many of our young adults are being stolen of time in the name of anxiety today? Now look, don't get me wrong. The abundant life doesn't mean that nothing bad happens. Okay? Life still hits. But as I mentioned earlier, when you're getting away from that unraveling and you're stepping into an abundant life with Jesus, the hit doesn't go as deep. It's still going to hurt. It's still going to hurt. People are still going to hurt you. But that dip is not as severe. We're not going down. Okay? We're not staying there. I've got people in my family that live with anxiety. We're not staying there. I understand, and we're, we're learning. But I'm telling you that it's not a place where we're going to sit and sulk and let the enemy in because he wants you to isolate. He wants you to stay alone. He doesn't want you talking about it. So you go to that dark place, and sometimes it gets harder and harder to get out. Don't let that happen. Abandon this life for the life abundant. It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. I want to go back to John 10, 3 and 4 because this is such a sweet moment that John records here and tells us that and his sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes out ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Isn't it beautiful to know that Jesus is going out ahead of us, that Jesus is leading us beside quiet waters, making us lie down in green pastures, restoring our soul. I'm so grateful that he showed me this in time to restore those relationships. He showed me in time that I can pour into those I love the most on this side of heaven and live an abundant life with them. Guys, don't waste another moment. Don't waste any time. You know what my prayer is? Since it came so late in life that, again, 
I believed and I called him Savior, but since it came so late in life to call him Lord, now my prayer is, please, give me another day to love you and to love people. Give me some more time here to watch my daughters grow up, to spend time with them, to, to take their phone calls, to take those calls and not miss any of it. That's life abundant. And I praise Jesus that he gave me that chance and he came and got me and showed me this. Is he showing you this? Is he dealing with you now? Is the Holy Spirit on your heart now and saying, it's time to abandon that. Give it to me and let's live the abundant life. Because I'm telling you, there's decisions we all have to make. Quick story and then I'm going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, ask you a couple of important questions. I was raised in an Italian family in New Jersey. My grandfather was William G. Rocco. His little brother was Guido Rocco. And together, they formed the Rocco Press, a printing business in Patterson, New Jersey. Very successful. There's, there's the Rocco boys now. Look at this. On the left is Guido, the tall one. That's Guido Rocco. That's my grandpa right there, William G. Rocco. In the middle is Luigi Rocco, their father. Luigi. Yeah, yeah. So when I play Mario Karts, I'm Luigi. I'll smoke any of you. <laughs> Yahoo! So, Guido first. Guido had it all. Again, they're both in business together. But Guido was chasing that abundance. And as a kid, wow. Guido had a big, beautiful red brick home. He had a scriptive R on the chimney for Rocco. He had a basement that was incredible. Huge wet bar, pool table, ping pong, poker, all in the huge basement, shuffleboard even, shuffleboard game, and every family get together ended up at Guido's house and in Guido's basement for the after party. Lots of fun, and as I'm a kid, I'm just like, this is awesome. Every two to three years, a brand new Cadillac in Guido's driveway. In fact, when he was 70, my Uncle Guido bought a brand new Stingray Corvette with T-tops. Yeah, that was his pursuit of abundance. Let me tell you about William G. Rocco. Much different story. A small three-bedroom, two-bath home that my mother grew up in, and my grandfather passed away in. In his basement, his closet, all his clothes, his shower. It's where he got ready in the morning. He'd go down to the basement every morning. And we would be like, when are we leaving? We're, oh, Grant, we're waiting for Grandpa. What, what time? Okay. Grandma would always be ready before Grandpa. It was kind of a running joke in our family. Because what else he had down there, along with the closet and all his items, was an altar. My grandfather had this beautiful altar where he prayed, where he read the Bible, where he spent extravagant time with Jesus every day. My grandfather started a food pantry at St. Mary's Catholic Church in Patterson, New Jersey. That's still going today. That's the abundant life. My grandfather had a peace beyond understanding. Had a stillness about him that was always so sweet. I never heard him raise his voice. I know he probably did. 
But I promise you, he was always in the same gentle, good, kind mood, serving, loving. That was William G. Guido was chasing all kinds of abundance, guys, and getting tired and running out. Here's the thing. It's not bad to have nice things. Don't get me wrong. But it's bad how you feel about them. When I was chasing that abundance, I was so mad that somebody would be driving that nice BMW and I wasn't. There goes a nice Mercedes and I'm in my Ford Pinto. Right? I mean, honestly, it was like, I want that. I want that. I should be there. I deserve this. I deserve that. It comes down to the difference between Bill and Guido Rocco and it's the difference between getting what you want and wanting what you get. That I don't care about a Mercedes or a BMW. I really love my Honda Accord. I really do. I'm not even kidding. I mean, I'm serious. It's about wanting what you get. It's not about getting what you want. The abundant life, the abundant life of Jesus is an abundance of joy. It's an abundance of peace. It's an abundance of love and of faithfulness, of goodness and kindness. It's an abundance of gratitude. It's an abundance of thankfulness. The abundant life is contentment in Jesus. Will you please stand with me? I want to pray first. Lord God, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord Jesus for teaching us in your words what abundance in you is all about. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting the hearts in this room to make a move towards you on this Sunday to give you lordship, to call you savior. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First and foremost, have you made a decision on Jesus being Savior and Lord of your life. God created this beautiful world and it was good and it was perfect. And then came the fall and then came sin and we were forever separated from our eternal God. We were born sinners, separated from an eternal loving God so holy that he cannot stop being holy. That the only way back to reconcile that relationship is Jesus. The one way, the only way is Jesus Christ. When God said, this home of mine, this kingdom of mine is not good enough until you come home until you're there with me. So he said, I'm stepping out of heaven and into your fallen world to show you what my kingdom looks like, to teach you about my kingdom, to bring my kingdom to earth. And so he took the lashes. He took the punishment. He took the thorns in his head. He took every nail into his body. 
and he hung our sins up on a cross and he said, I will lay down my life for you, for each and every one of you. That's what Jesus did. Because then came Sunday. Oh, glorious Sunday. When the rock was rolled away and the tomb was empty and Jesus rose from the dead and had victory over death. That's where we operate from. From victory in Jesus. So I ask you, who is Jesus? Are you ready to call him Savior and Lord? Is what you're going to abandon today a sinful life? Is what you're going to abandon today walking in sin? And it's time to get right. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand when I count to three so that someone can come pray, that we can come alongside this most important decision of your life. The most important decision is who you call Jesus. Teacher, prophet, or savior. Or the atonement of my sin. I was born a sinner, but now I'm going home because I believe in Jesus. I want you to put your hand up in one. Don't be shy. Call him Lord. He told us if we deny him among men, he will deny us in front of his Father. I don't want you to be that person. In two, I want your hand to go up when I hit three because you're saying, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. And I'm done with this sinful life. I'm tired of it. I want abundance. And I want abundance now. The rest of your life is the best of your life. Hands up in three. Yes, sir. Welcome to the family of God. Praise God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Two down front. Let's go. Who's coming? Yes, sir. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Someone come alongside, a hand that's in the air. Someone come alongside and put a hand on their shoulder. Right now, we're going to pray. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for inspiring the surrender, Holy Spirit, that we have new family members in the family of God, that we will rejoice in this decision they've made. Alongside heaven, we rejoice. We thank you, Jesus, for these people and their heart's decision to say goodbye to the old life and step into the new, the abundance in you, Jesus. It's only you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.